Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Anyway, good morning, uh, church. How are you guys doing? That was a uh, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Bevedications are always special. Yeah. I mean, just uh, at an early age, being dedicated to the Lord. Uh, most of us came to the Lord in our younger, teener days, and uh, we've experienced some of the. <laughs> we we experienced things that we probably, if we can go back, we would rather not. But yet, uh, of course, according to the scripture, those things that we experience can be used to be a testimony for our own lives. Amen. Anyway, we're going to continue on our series today. Um, What week are we? Week number six. And this series is really about uh, looking at the life of one of our, of one of the apostles, Apostle Peter. And Peter, uh, he may not have started really well, but definitely he ended in a good way. In fact, as I was Googling today, around the world today, I mean, okay, just uh, let's uh, just look at United Kingdom. United Kingdom, as of today, has more than 200 churches with the name St. Peter. 200. I didn't bother going to the United States because uh, since they're a bigger landmass, perhaps they have a bigger. Uh, they have more churches that is named after St. Peter or Peter. So that's the person that we're looking at. Uh, we're, I guess, uh, coming from a different uh, faith. We're, we're kind of uh, more accustomed to hearing it as St. Peter. If you pass by Anigua, you would see all those statues in the cemetery. You can probably find him there, St. Peter. Amen. But, uh, but we're going to be looking at his life, and we're gonna continue, uh, we'll continue today in his life. So far, let's just do a recap. So this is week number six. Week one, we talked about how essential it is to have spiritual discipline if you are a believer. And we were looking at the devotion to the Word of God. And I preached that, so I I remember saying that the devotion to the Word of God is really the most essential among all the discipline. Because it is through the the discipline of reading the Word is, is where you are able to unlock and to understand all the other Discipline. That's why it's really essential to be reading your Bible, to be devoting time to your Bible, to be uh, meditating, uh, memorizing, and all of that. Then the second week, we were talking about essential doctrine. As a believer, we have to know what, we, uh, what is the essential doctrine that we believe in, and that is the resurrection of Christ. Correct? Third week, we had life change. Uh, Brother Ben talked about how an encounter with Christ is what brings a life change in us. It's not going to church. Sometimes that helps, okay? It's not through, uh, medit- it's not through help books, though that they produce a change, but not a permanent change. So that was week number three. Week number four, we looked at understanding the gospel. And I think uh, it was Brother Elmore who... Uh, who talked about that. And as a believer, we have to know what we're going to preach, which brings us to week five last week, which is preaching the gospel. Brother Chris talked about that. Amen. So all of these qualities or all of, the, uh, all of these that we've uh, looked at is something that we need as a believer. Why? Because the very, uh, the very title of our uh, series is the word forward. If we don't have these qualities, we will never go forward. We'll become stagnant. And stagnant, is not, it's not good to be stagnant. If you have a stagnant water around your house, around your yard, it becomes what? A cesspool of bacteria. You get mosquitoes. You got other bugs and frogs. All of that. 
Plus, you don't want to drink a stagnant water, isn't it? So, so that's, uh, that's why we're, lo- we're looking at this series forward. So today we're going to be looking at the discipleship mandate. For those of you who are visiting us for the very first time, you've heard us say, we exist to honor God and to make disciples in Micronesia. I like how Ben said it. To, uh, we exist <laughs> to honor God, <laughs> make disciples in Micronesia, and be gone. <laughs> that was about, that's beyond, but in reality, there's truth to that. If our purpose is to reach the nation, and when we have reached the nation and there's nothing else for us to do, we can be with the Lord. And there is, really is no fear in saying that. There should be no fear in saying uh, in, uh, when, when you come to that realization that everything that God has for me in this earth is finished. I've done my mission. What else am I to do? I can be with my Lord and Savior. So in a way, Van, that was really good to, uh, to make disciples in Micronesia and be gone. <laughs> but, but God has still a use for us here, so Micronesia and beyond. Amen. So discipleship mandate, that's what we were called to do. So <clears throat> go ahead and show the verse for today. Our text for today is this. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Can you guys see? I made it big enough so everybody can see. And let me just read it. It says, Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And we're just going to be looking at this verse for the entire time. This this was dropped in my heart uh, during the week, and uh, uh, I was really enjoying meditating on it. So I hope as I share with you, you would also just uh, hear the heart of God as as I share it with you. Amen? So... Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, if you do not know yet, let me tell you. This was the very first statement that Peter heard from Jesus. Very first statement. When Jesus was baptized and he entered ministry, according to Matthew, if we follow Matthew, this was the very first word that Jesus told Peter. Follow me and I will make you a fisher Or follow me. Well, uh, Andrew was with him. So it's, I will make you fishers of men. Okay? That was the very first statement. Ever, would you, if you're working at your desk or if you're working outdoors, I work outdoors a lot. Somebody, a stranger comes along and say, follow me and I will let you do something else. Would you actually do it? Probably not, right? But it's so interesting that Peter did that exactly. And as I was playing along with this, what came to mind is really the idea of picture of man. I couldn't find it. I don't know if Jesus had a copyright on it, but I definitely couldn't find it. But if you Google it, most of the times it it would come out as a Bible commentary that it was spoken by Jesus to his disciple. But during the time of Peter, what was commonly happening was that Teachers, rabbis, would take along a student. It would take along a disciple. How many of you remember Pastor Roland? Pastor Roland loves this idea of Kung Pu that's dubbed in English. So, you, so they're talking like, who are you? And, they're, and uh, that's, I think that's just one of his favorite, watching uh, old school Kung Pu English dub so that the, the, you can see their mouth still moving, but yet the, the, the dialogue is over. But those old school Kung Fu movies always had that idea of taking in disciples. So it was also common in the days of Peter. 
And especially in the times of the Greek and the Romans, science was becoming new. Science was something new. Art was uh, coming out of uh, existence. So art teachers, rabbis, in fact, even, uh, even science, they would take on a disciple. They would take on a learner. That's what they would do. They would take on a learner, and that learner would actually stay with them. That's what it was. They would stay with them, stay in their house, basically become their, <laughs> uh, basically become their slave in a way, okay? Yeah, they, they get to do just like how kung pu movies are. They get the, the water. They, get the, they cook the food. So, so as I was wondering, what was it that Peter saw in Jesus that made him just drop his net and follow Jesus? And I think there was already an idea in the heart of uh, Peter about, about uh, Jesus being a master. Though he may not have all the ideas, but in a way, I think he had an idea that Jesus was a master. He was a rabbi of some sort. He just didn't know what, if, if I can put it that way. So let's look. What does it mean to be a fisher of man? Go ahead, go to the next slide. This is my next slide. Big change, right? <laughs> Fishers of men. For those of you who are already a seasoned, in, uh, a seasoned believer, you probably did your own study already about what, this, what does it mean to be a fisher of men. So let, let me give you my perspective of what it is that, that uh, Jesus called Peter to do. Or what, uh, what was it that Jesus had in mind when he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We know because we already have the Bible what happened to the life of Peter. It's already there. That's one of the great things when you read your Bible. You kind of already know the end. You already know the, you know the story in the beginning and you know the end. And we know that this Peter became the apostle. He started as a fisherman. But in Acts, he became a preacher. He became a preacher that got 3,000 people saved in one message. I don't think we can fit 3,000 here, so let's just not do that. Okay, we won't preach a message that can get uh, 3,000 people saved, but, I, but that's what happened. Peter began as a fisherman, but he became an apostle. He became a preacher three years later, and he spoke a message that got people cut to their heart, and they became followers of the way or of, of Jesus Christ. So what was it? What was it? that happened what was it what is what does it mean to be a fisher of men i'll go right ahead and, and tell you what it is what i believe it is to be a fisher of men looking at the life of peter is really to be a leader of men and to be a leader of men you gotta have an influence over men and i believe that was what peter was longing for as a fisherman because if you look at the, the life story of Peter, there is always a, an event that he would step out and be the leader. And he is the leader of the 12. He was the one that stepped out of the boat to walk on water. There was something about Peter that's longing for something more than just fishing. If that's okay to say. And I believe there are some of us here, especially if you're saved, God has, put, uh, God has placed a desire in your heart to not just do work as work. Meaning, yes, we work, but there's more beyond than going to work. And I believe that's what it is. A picture of man, God has placed, uh, is about having a position to lead other men. It's having a position of influence. Amen? Let's go in a bigger picture. God the Father is always in the business of taking someone 
from a low place and bringing them up to a higher place. That's just how it is. Over and over, stories after story in the Old Testament, God the Father, uh, who uh, is always in the business of taking someone, small person, insignificant person, and taking them and putting them in a position where they have an influence. Take, for example, Gideon. Gideon, you can find the story of Gideon in the book of Judges. Those of you who are familiar with the book of Judges or the story of Gideon, Gideon was from the tribe of Manasseh. Manasseh was the smallest tribe among Israel. When God called Gideon, he said, Oh, you mighty man of valor. That was the address that God gave to Gideon. A mighty man of valor. But yet Gideon has never been to war. Gideon belonged to a family that is the least among the tribe. He belonged to a clan that is least among their tribe. But yet when God uh, called him, he said, mighty man of valor. And the Lord is always in the business of doing that. For Peter, it was, come, follow me, and I will make you pictures of men. For Gideon, it was, oh, mighty man of valor. Are you with me, church? Are you getting this? Our God is always in the business of taking us from a low, insignificant place and bringing us to a place that is significant, to a place that is uh, influential in society. Mary, for example, is another one. Mary, the mother of Jesus, earthly mother of Jesus, teenager. But what if, just in case that you're, uh, what if, just in case, if you're here and, and you say, what, I'm already in a place of position. I, I already have what I need. What, why, why do I need to move on or move up? Well, there is also a man in the Bible that was also in that position. His name was Abraham. Abraham was a man that was called of God. But yeah, one thing, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but Abraham was already rich in silver. He was already rich in gold. And he already had servants with him when God called him. He was already a very prominent person. His very name, he was already called Exalted Father. He was already prominent. He was already in a place of richness. So why? So why, why would God call him? Is it, if it's just position, if it's just in a place where I'm above every man, and, I, and, and when I say something, they would follow, then why, is it, then why do I need to be called by God? Well, Abraham was also called by God. And one, one thing you would realize about Abraham was that the place that Abraham came from was called Haran, which is really mean dry, parch. And it could be a symbolism. It could be, uh, we can take it as an example that, yes, we might be in a place of richness. Yes, we can be in a place of position. We can be a place where our family name is a, is a good family name. Why do I need to follow? Why do I need to, to be called by God to do something else? But yet, all of that is really dryness. Uh, if you would follow the life of Abraham, God took him from already what is uh, in the natural. He already is in a place of position. But yet, God called him to something much more bigger than a position of being a father and being a rich man. But God said, through your seed, you will become a blessing to the entire nation. Not just the nation, but to the entire world. You are here today, and we believe that we have a promise of eternal life because Abraham was given a promise by God. 
So you cannot deny that though Abraham was already in a high exalted place, God still called him to a higher and higher place. Christianity wouldn't be here today if God didn't promise to Abraham that through your seed, the whole world will be blessed. And the seed of Abraham went on from Isaac to Jacob to the tribe of Israel to King David, King David to Joseph. Joseph, that's a very good, uh, that's very quick. Joseph to Jesus, Jesus to the 12 disciples. And now here we are as a church. And it all, that promise all began with Abraham when God called him. And he said, I will call you to be a blessing to an entire world. Amen. So that's what it is. So is it just position? Is it just influence? For Peter, we see it. It was to be an apostle. But what about for us? So am I going to be an apostle? Am I going to lose my hair? <laughs> Most apostles uh, have lost their hair. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> Not you, brother. <laughs> but what about for us? See, church, I believe we are all called to be, a play, to be in a place of influence. We may not be in a place of position, but even a place of position does not necessarily say that we are in a place of influence. Take, for example, Lot, whose Lot, I'm sorry I'm giving you all this name, but Lot was actually Abraham's uh, nephew. Abraham and Lot, when they separated, they were already rich. In fact, their whole reason they had to separate was because they have so much herds that the grassland wasn't enough for them. They were getting in dispute. So Abraham, being the older one, said, go ahead, Lot, show, uh, choose where you want to go, and I will go the other direction. So Lot chose to go uh, to the plains of Jordan. But in his going, he ended up in a place called Sodom, Okay. But then when God, appeared to, uh, when God appeared to Abraham and he was going to destroy Sodom, Abraham remembered that my nephew is there. So he pleaded with God to not destroy Sodom. And this is where you get this, uh, this is a story where a man can actually uh, stand in behalf of another man and plead a case of a man. So Abraham pleaded for his nephew that, Lord, would you destroy a city if you find 10 righteous people? In it, And God said no. So by that, we know that Lot was a righteous man according to how the Bible describes it. He was a righteous man. Because Abraham pleaded for him that, Lord, would you destroy Sodom if you see ten righteous men? And God did not. Well, he did, but he pulled out Lot. Okay, that's what I meant. So by that definition, Lot was a righteous man. A righteous man living in a wicked city. When the angels came to destroy the city, the Bible says that Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. So what? If he's sitting down at the gate of Sodom, what does that mean that he's sitting down at the gate of Sodom? That term means in, the, in those days, the gate of the city, the, most of the cities are walled. They're protected. The gate is where it opens, and that's where you enter, and that's where you exit. At the same time, the city gates is where all transactions happen. It could be like uh, Aganya, city central, where all the businesses are happening. It says that Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom, meaning 
he was in a position in a wicked city. A righteous man position in a wicked city. That's what it's saying. But yet, when the angel came, we find out that his influence was only to a certain area. Why do I say that? Because when the angels came, Lot took, him, took them in into his house. And then the city, the man of the city came out at night and said, take the men out because we want to do carnal things to them. Basically, we want to rape them. That's what the man of the city was saying. Take your visitors out because we want to rape them. That's how wicked the city is, the city was. But yet, Lot said, no, don't do it. And this is where we see. He was in a place of position, but he had no influence over one area. He had no influence over the area of righteousness. He had the influence over trade. He had the influence over economics of the city. But when it came to the area where it mattered most, Lot had no influence over the man. In church, we can have positions, we can have great names, we can have uh, all of this attainments in life, but if we do not have the influence where it matters most, I hope that we don't end up like Lot. He was saved, yes, he was saved, but everything that he has ever gained was destroyed in Sodom. So it's not just positions that when, when uh, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you pictures of man, Jesus wasn't just saying, I will, uh, um, I will elevate you into a position of apostleship. No, I think it was a two-fold call or a two-fold, uh, a two-fold position. First, I will put you in a position that is high, and I will give you an influence over righteousness. And church, how much do you think we need that today? Yes, right? We can have positions, we can have great names But at the end of the day, the one that really matters is that we can have an influence over people when it comes to the area of righteousness and truth. And that really is the gospel. And that's who we are as a church. We exist to honor God and to make disciples in Micronesia and be gone. (laughs) Brother, I love that. (laughs) That's what God has called us to do, church. He has called us to be an influencing factor in our society. But if you look at it, I have to say it is a difficult task to do. Would you agree with me? In fact, it is impossible to do. The task that God has given us is we're not even fit to do this task. And that's why, next slide please. He included this word. I will make you fishers of men. It is not upon our own ability to influence the world. It is not upon our own giftings, our natural talent, though we have natural talents. In our own natural way, we can, we can attain position. In our own natural ability, we can, we can get degrees after degrees and degrees. I mean, that Lot was a perfect example. He was rich. He, had, he, he, was, uh, he, he was a blah, blah, blah. What was that? He probably, uh, he had a position in economics. He has a position in trades. He, he's pretty much, uh, 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 what's, what's, the, what's that word? Business, correct? He's a, he's a businessman. But yet where it mattered most, he had no influence. His, own, his very own son-in-law thought he was joking when he said, 
flee the city. It is about to be destroyed. His own son-in-law thought, man, you're joking. What are you talking about? Amen? So thank Jesus that when he said, follow me, he also said, I will make you fishers of men. For three years, Peter followed this, uh, Peter followed Jesus. For three years, he did exactly what he did. Uh, I'm pretty sure he ate what he ate. So when there was grasshoppers, he were probably also eating grasshoppers. He went to a Mediterranean diet. For those of you who are uh, wondering what kind of diet Jesus went through, it's called a Mediterranean diet. It's a lot of grasshoppers and a lot of walking. No showers, robes, and long hair. That's what the lifestyle is. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just joking. But that's what it is. This task to be fishers of men, if we were, if we were, we're going to do it on our own, we are not fit for this task. And that's why God said, I will make you. And because he said, I will make you, he has provided the gifts for us. He, for, he, he allows circumstances to happen in our life. We call them divine appointments. Have, have you ever in, uh, been in a place where all of a sudden, God leads you to a person, and then God says, now speak. A stranger. We said earlier, would, if, you, some, if a stranger comes to you and says, follow me, would you actually follow him? And we said, no. But yet, how many of you have experienced speaking to strangers and at the end of a conversation as you share the gospel, and you say, you want to pray for me, brother? And they actually pray with you. That's not you, okay, by the way. That is never us. The fact that God orchestrates people, uh, the things that God orchestrates in people's life and just the divine appointment being in the right place at the right time, all of that is by God. All of those things happen not because we're, oh, we're, we're, we're that good. Ooh, I've been reading the Bible for 20 years. I'm that good. I think I can do it on my own now. It was, it, it's never about that. Uh, a great example is uh, since uh, Peter was a fisherman, when they went back to fishing because of what ha- when Jesus died and they were discouraged, they went back to fishing and they tried fishing all night. All night, just on their own accord, in their own strength, they fished all night. See, Peter still had leadership. Even after uh, he ran away when Peter died because he called back his fishing buddies and they went all fishing again. There's always a leadership on Peter. But it wasn't until God put an influence on him that he was able to preach a message and 3,000 people were saved. Where was I saying? Fishing, right? They went fishing, but then Jesus said, no, go back. But, uh, and they said, Lord, we've been fishing all night. We caught nothing. And Jesus said, go back, throw it on the right side. And that's where they got so much fish. Church, you can, you can fish all you want. And sometimes... It's up to you <laughs> how long you want to do it. But it was, it, it, in this very statement, it says, I will make you fishers of men. Amen? Amen? God has given us the gifts. God has given us the Holy Spirit, the very manifestation of himself. So what is it then? If, if, fisher, uh, if God calls us to be fishers of men and he said, he will be the one to make us fishers of men, then what is our part to do? Next slide. Our part to do is this, church. Follow me. Simple? Hopefully it is. (laughs) Like what I said, I've been a believer for 20 years. And sometimes, 
Some of the things that uh, God directs you to are sometimes us like, Lord, am I hearing it right? <laughs> like, can I do it the other way? But you know what? Just like Peter, the moment that he heard this, says, follow me and I will make you pictures of men. The first thing that Peter did was what? Dropped his net. And church, to follow Jesus, we have to symbolically do the same thing. We cannot be the one to direct our own lives anymore. There really is no other way to say it. If God says, follow me, there really, I, I, I'm trying to look for a word, but there really is no other way to put it. For Peter, it was directly dropping everything that he has and following Jesus. For us, I'm not, I'm not saying go tomorrow, go sign your resignation and give it to your boss. That's not what I'm saying, okay? But it's really, <laughs> okay, don't do that, please. <laughs> don't tell Pastor Mark that, oh, Armin said resign tomorrow for my job. No, that's not what I'm, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, you got to have your heart focused on the things that God is focused on. And it's really about separating yourself from the world. Lot was a righteous man, but he lived in a wicked generation. That is not something new anymore. We're believers living in a generation that is counter or that is against the very, the, the very biblical principle that we believe in. Would you agree? We're, we're a righteous man by the virtue of Jesus Christ living in a generation that is, that is against the very principle that we believe in. And for us to follow Christ, sometimes we need to stand out and we need to stand on what we believe in. Actually, that is what following Christ is all about. It's about being separated from the world, being separated from the, what the world is doing. And, and it's not just because you, you want to look weird, but really because you want to stand and say, this is my principle, this is what I believe in, this is what my, my Christ, this is what my Savior said to do. So therefore, this is what I'm going to do. Because I, I made a commitment to follow what he said to do. Amen? That's following, uh, to follow Christ means to have fellowship with him. How else can you hear him? I can go back to the first week that, uh, regarding devotions to the word. You, the, the only way for us to be close and to have an intimate knowledge of what Christ is telling us is really to have fellowship with him, to dwell with him. Just like how I said earlier, in, the, in their early days when a rabbi takes a disciple, that disciple would actually live with the teacher. They would literally live with the teacher and follow the teacher. And everything that they do, they would observe, they would follow, they would imitate, they would copy. That's exactly what they would do. We have been given the Holy Spirit to be able to hear what, the, what God is telling us. We have been given the Holy Spirit to have the power and the authority over the things, that, uh, the, the things of this world. Amen? And that's why we have been given so that we can be helped by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Just one more. Fellowship. Go ahead and put the, the, the last slide, please. Follow me and I will make you pictures of men. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. This was the very first statement that Peter heard. If we're to follow Matthew, the very last statement, 
that Peter heard Jesus say was this, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 and 19. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the age to the end of the age. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. If you are here today, it is probably because somebody shared with you, correct? Somebody took their time to share the gospel with you. Is that correct? Okay, I'll take that as a yes. That person that shared the gospel with you didn't do it just on his own. Uh, in, on his own. It wasn't because, all oh, my agenda is to share the gospel. It was all because of Christ. Do you agree with me? Church, we in turn are also in the same place. Just as people shared the gospel to us, uh, what week was that? Was it week four? That we said, we are compelled, the love of Christ compels us. The love of God compels us to really just share what we have been given. Church, we have been given a life that is eternal. We have been given, I love how John 10.10 says it, um, uh, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. That's what God, or that's what Jesus said. I have come that you can have a life that is more abundantly. A life with no shame, a life with no guilt, a life with no condemnation. But before that, the word that you have to acknowledge is follow me. That life will really manifest if you first follow him. Amen? So let's go ahead and close. Are you here? If you're here today, I just want to pray for us. Uh, Father, thank you. just want to pray Lord if you can just raise your hand just raise your or put your hand over your heart and I just want to pray this over us Lord grant us the faith to do what you have called us to do and Lord allow us to see that it is not in our own natural ability it's not in our own doing but it's only through you that you can make it possible for us to be fishers of men Lord thank you that you have called us for something greater and something more meaningful and something more purposeful and something that has an eternal reward and Father I thank you now and I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would continue in us what you have started. And, Father, I just speak courage to us as a church. I speak that we would go out, Father, 
and use the influence that you have given to us. Use the influence and the position that you have placed us on, Father. Lord, may we stand for righteousness. May we stand for the truth. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.